0: Internet News Digest, 27th of August 3305. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news Five hearts and two heads, a daring raid on Palin's base, a change of plan for fleet carriers, outrage over Alliance grave robbers, controversy as race winner dies, twice. Five hearts and two heads. A daring raid on Palin's base. A new variant of Thargoid Interceptor has been reported close to the abandoned Palin Research Centre in Maya, and it's very, very fast. Palin abandoned the base after alleged Thargoid harassment in mid-July. This new Thargoid interceptor, which was discovered by Commander Mad King Hastur, is known as the Orthrus variant. It's a little-known fact about Tharg the Mighty that he attended Jesus College in Cambridge, where he studied classics. He likes to name his interceptors after Greek monsters, and this variant is named after the two-headed dog, brother of Cerberus, who guarded cattle and was killed by Hercules. If Tharg sticks to this naming scheme, the Thargoid Mothership will be called Echidna. Although it appears to be very similar to the Basilisk, it has the same five hearts, Gauss cannon do the same amount of damage, and in fact tissue samples appear to be identical to those from the Basilisk. It looks different, with a different cockpit and a sunburst arrangement surrounding it, and the texture of its petals are similar to those of Barnacles. It also has numerous small protrusions on its petals that look like the result of a viral infection, which is of course the reason the Thargoids need their meta-alloys so desperately. The Orthrus seems keen to run away. With its unknown drive modules it's hard to keep up with, although Mad King Hastor managed to be the first person to get their ship destroyed by one after he rammed it at high speed. So. How could it be that a souped-up basilisk could be flying away from Professor Palin's old base with a new, unknown type of thruster, far faster than any Thargoid interceptor has flown before? There can be only one answer. Tharg the Mighty has stolen the recipe for Palin's dirty, dirty drives. A Change of Plan for Fleet Carriers Just as an extra little treat, um, we're going to allow squadrons to purchase their own fleet carriers. So these three large dockable vessels um, are going to act as a mobile base of operations for squadrons where its members can uh, refuel, uh, rearm and respawn. The Pilots' Federation has provided more details about squadron fleet carriers. The big shock is they won't be squadron carriers at all. Originally announced in October 3303 as coming in December 3304, the Pilots' Federation was forced to slip that ambitious schedule to allow manufacturers more time to install the bigness required for these mobile space stations. Now that they are nearly ready for the rescheduled release one year later, fleet carriers have had the word squadron removed. And will now be purchasable by individual commanders for what's described as a large amount of credits. Speculation is rife that the purchase price is likely to be in excess of one million credits, and that the ships will be powered using Querium fuel, with the amount of Quirium proportional to the number of light-years jumped, up to a maximum of a rather impressive 500 light-years. Flying the fleet carriers will use a point-and-click interface in the Galaxy map, and the jumps will be scheduled, so there will be plenty of time to play Guardian Ultra Chess while waiting for your hyperspace takeoff slot. In addition to the three R's repair, rearm and refuel, fleet carriers will include customizable services to support different activities. Quite possibly the exploration loadout may include a universal cartographics uplink so explorers will never need to return home and can pilot their carriers in their unwashed underpants forevermore. Fleet carriers may include support vehicles, quite what they actually are is yet to be clarified. Will they also include shipyards, allowing the commander's fleet to be transferred aboard? Will they stock new ships for purchase? The squadron ethos is not quite abandoned each Commander will be able to set permissions to allow other Commanders to dock on his Fleet Carrier, which creates the opportunity for some fun with friends. For example, who hasn't wanted to take their fellow Commander on an expedition to the edge of the galaxy, wait until the Commander undocks, and then jump quickly away, leaving them stranded in a ten light light-year de lance. The Buckyball Racing Club is no doubt already planning a Fleet Carrier Buckyball A-Star Race, which may take some time to complete given the need to gather fuel and schedule each jump. One peculiar feature of Fleet Carriers is that they repel other Fleet Carriers. You'll only ever see one of them at a time. Fleet Carriers are believed to be indestructible, and can carry up to 16 active ships at a time. Canon Interstellar is reported to be concerned that its behemoth megaship the Gnosis, which is only capable of jumping once per week, may be rendered obsolete by fleet carriers. But of course, this is nonsense. Fleet carriers don't have a solid gold statue of Doctor Arcanon in the docking area. And of course, unlike fleet carriers, the Gnosis can accommodate a whole squadron. Outrage Over Alliance Grave Robbers So-called artists working for the Alliance Festival of Culture have been removing items from a graveyard, according to reports. Bones of Dreams, a dance piece, is supposed to be a portrayal of inhumanity, and it certainly is that. It's performed by robot dancers that are made from equipment and parts stolen from the galactically famous Teonisla orbital graveyard. Not many of those who buried their loved ones in that graveyard can have imagined it being looted to make mechanical puppets to dance for the amusement of the people of New Caledonia. It's not so much dancing on their graves, but making their graves dance. The Alliance Festival of Culture's theatre and dance programme continues in the Tionisla system until the end of the week, and the series of cultural events will conclude with a major event in Alioth, the week after. Controversy as race winner dies, twice. The highly irresponsible Buckyball Racing Club plumbed new depths this week when it announced the winner of the hot-off-the-press competition. Commander Numerlor completed the photographic assignment in 6 minutes 32 seconds, but he only achieved this by self-destructing in his SRV thus gaining the required shot of a destroyed vehicle, and then by smashing his ship through a buckyball Hollow advert straight into the side of a station, instantly blowing up and being teleported back to the finish line at the printworks. By not disqualifying him, the buckyballers were not only condoning wanton destruction and loss of life, they were also permitting Commander Numerlor to break the race requirements competitors were required to return to the printworks and land. Numerlor was rescued in his remlock and transported back rather than returning himself, and as he took possession of a new ship which was already on the landing pad, neither did he land. And yet he got away with it. Numerlore, with his initiative, lateral thinking and bending of the rules, is clearly an excellent fit for the criminal underworld of the Buckyball Racing Club. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.